Good morning. My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here. Let me add my warm welcome to you this morning and wish you all a very Merry Christmas. The passage that Aubrey just read to us is John's version of the Christmas story. But we hardly recognize it. There are no shepherds. There's no stable. There's no manger. There's no star. And yet we can still discern as we listen that John is telling us about a child that is coming into the world, a light shining in the darkness. John is telling us the Christmas story from a different perspective than Matthew or Luke, like we heard last night. He's using a wider lens and making a deeper point. In fact, we could even say that whereas the other gospel writers tell us what Christmas was like, John is telling us what Christmas means. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is to enter into John's Christmas story together and to look at three behind-the-scenes realities that show us what Christmas is all about. Three deeper meanings of the baby in the manger. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 1. And what I'd like to show you first from verses 1 through 4, this deeper meaning is that John tells us that God is doing a work of new creation. Now for many of us, Christmas signifies that things are wrapping up and coming to an end. I know this because I've spoken with you and because I see in your faces right now a strange mixture of joy and exhaustion. (laughs) Things are coming to an end. The end of a semester, the end of a budget, the end of a long, tedious project. But for John, Christmas signifies a new beginning. He opens his gospel with the familiar words, in the beginning. Now, where have we heard this language before? I know it's Christmas. I know we're tired. But we all know where we've heard this before. The opening words of the Bible, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John wants us to see this similarity. He wants us to understand that his new story is actually part of the old ongoing story about God and his deep love for his creation. But it's just here that John introduces us to a mysterious person, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why does John refer to Jesus in this way? Why does he call Jesus the Word. And to put it very simply, words are expressive. We use words to relate to one another. And it's much the same with God. He relates to His creation through His Word. Think about it. He spoke and everything came into existence. He spoke and He formed a covenant with Abraham. He spoke And he made known his plans to Moses. He spoke and gave the people of Israel his law. 
In the Old Testament, what we know of God is that all of His acts of creation and salvation are rooted in His speech. And now, John says, God is speaking again through His Word, His eternal Word, Jesus. He is once again breaking the silence and speaking into the darkness, just like He did before the dawn of time. Now, ultimately, John is going to have us arrive at verse 14, the climax of this passage where he tells us that the Word became flesh. But first he needs to tell us why. And that's the second thing I want us to see this morning. Christmas tells us that evil is real. Look with me at verse 5. The light shines where? In the darkness. In the beginning... God drove out the darkness by creating light. But now, the darkness has reemerged. Not as an emptiness, but as an invader. And we see its destruction all around us. Violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness. Refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, bottomless grief, death. And our culture looks at this, especially this time of year, and mistakenly thinks that we can conquer this darkness by the light that is within us. I read one ad this week that said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. But so far, that's been a failed project. And the reason why that has been a failed project is because the darkness has affected us too. In fact, the darkness is now the default mode of every human being. Now, we don't like to talk about this stuff at Christmas. Aubrey mentioned this last night. One person has said that we take our Christmas with a lot of sugar. (laughs) Our culture has so sentimentalized, is that a word, Aubrey? Sentimentalized? This holiday, spell check didn't catch it, that we've nearly lost track of why it exists in the first place. But John pushes back. And the church pushes back. Listen to what one pastor in New York has said about this reality of evil at Christmas. He writes, Christmas is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It doesn't say, cheer up. If we all pull together, we can make the world a better place. The Bible supports no illusions that we can defeat the forces of darkness ourselves. So Christianity doesn't agree with the optimist thinkers who say we can fix things if we try hard enough. But neither does it agree with the pessimistic thinkers who look into the future and only see a dystopia. Christianity instead says no things really are bad. 
And we can't heal or save ourselves. The darkness has invaded and it's very dark. But nevertheless, there's hope. And wasn't that what our passage from Isaiah, our reading from Isaiah said to us this morning? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So Christmas invites us to be honest about our world and about ourselves. Evil is real. The darkness has invaded. But nevertheless, there is hope. And that leads us to the third and final thing I want us to see this morning. Namely, that God has not abandoned us. This is the deepest meaning of Christmas. God has not abandoned us. In fact, just the opposite. He became a human being and came to rescue us. Verse 14, Christmas in a nutshell. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Consider just for a moment the love of our Creator in coming into the world. He sees us drowning in the darkness. He hears our crying, just like He heard the Israelites in slavery in Egypt. And what does He do? He sacrifices Himself. He takes off His clothes. He sheds all His entitlement. And He dives in to the swirling current, putting His own life in peril, and saves us. This is what God has done for you. And for all of creation in Jesus. When we look at the baby in the manger, we see a God who emptied Himself. That's how Paul puts it. He emptied Himself. And He dove into the lowest and darkest depths in order to come up again and bring not only you, but the whole ruined world with Him. So Christians tell a very different Christmas story from the culture around us. The culture says, the light is inside of us. And therefore, Christmas is a time when we just need to come together and make the world a better place. Love will conquer all. But Christians say that's only half right. In fact, it's mostly wrong because the light is outside of us. And He came down to shine in our darkness and reclaim our world for the Creator. So this Christmas, let's look at the baby in the manger from John's perspective as the eternal Word of God, now silent. As the one who created the world, helpless. As the one who had no beginning, John says, and yet is time-bound. And as the light of the world who shines in our darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.